Greetings and grace to you, my faith family. I want to let you know how much I still miss you. Um, I am excited for us to be able to be together today in this format, though, and just encourage one another. I, I want to, uh, before I jump into the Word of God, I want to just remind you of a couple of things that the Lord has put on my heart. And one is that uh, there is no time that we are more desperate for Him and His Word. And what I mean by that is, as we find ourselves more isolated maybe than we've ever been in our lives, we really need to double down on being in God's Word, reading and responding to God's Word every day. And to do that, uh, we have that's that's a common vernacular for us at Cornerstone, but we have made resources available to you. You can sign up for the In the Word today, and you can get the daily readings that we have in your inbox, along with a short devotional that I write every morning, send out to you just to, to help model the reading and responding, not just reading the Word, but actually engaging with it. We also have on the Connecting Points document, we have, just like we do when we gather on Sundays, we have... The connecting points and it has the daily readings listed on the connecting points as well that way we're all reading the same thing on the same day along with our prayer pointers we're praying praying the same thing on the same day and then we can reach out so one there's strength in that togetherness doing the same thing on the same day two we can reach out to one another and say hey what did you get out of today's reading whether that be the people sitting across your dinner table from you in your own home or um, a friend, a neighbor, a brother or sister in Christ from Cornerstone or another church that, that is on our reading plan. Uh, but this is a great way for us to stay connected around the Word of God, to nurture our souls. I can't tell you how many times I have already felt like, I, I, I've, I've walked away from my devotional time with the Lord going, Lord, I don't know what I would do without this time because, because so much bad news and negativity is being thrown at us over and over again. How can we possibly thwart that without renewing our mind and nourishing our souls with Jesus Christ, who is the Word? And we're going to see that today in great power and glory. Some other things that I wanted to make you aware of, in case you didn't know, is some of the other stuff that we have available to us right on our website, on the homepage of our website, which you can go to cornerstonechurchaz.org. And if you go there, there's a button that says, um, everything you need for worship on on Sunday and you click on it and there are links to these videos the music that we upload for you to worship on Sundays also things like the connecting points document that we have so you can take notes so that you can have the daily readings with you um, the bulletin is uploaded every week so it still has the information about what's going on in our church and and the exciting part about that is that the electronic version not this one none of these links are working but the electronic version actually has active links so if you just if you just click on the information you want to know more about it'll take you right to that part of our web page that has that information available for you uh, we have the kids connect document that has activities for kids to help them stay engaged today and and at whenever you choose to use it with your faith family or with your family um, and then the other thing i wanted to point out to you and, and really emphasize is um, we have um, a sheet that we put together, a document we put together called Leader Helps, and it really I want to I want to specifically challenge the men in our church. Like like no time in my 22 years almost of being a parent, the Lord has has orchestrated an opportunity for families to to really have to gather for family worship. And one of the things we've talked about from the beginning is it's not my job, it's not the church's job to disciple your kids, dads. It's yours. If there is no dad at the home, mom, it's yours. 
and and we don't want to just leave you hanging there and go okay so how do i do it so we have these leader helps that are specific for every sunday and and the following week um how can we how can we together just worship even as a couple if you're empty nesters or you don't have children uh, there's op there's stuff here that you can use it's got the um just some updates from the church it's got some it's got kind of a flow for worship for today the daily um just the the, the calling and the invocation the benediction passage the sending passage it's also got um, some some further questions that you can ask during the discussion time that, that we'll have during the message today, or you can have even at the table at dinner tonight or throughout the week. And then another thing that we've added to it, in addition to those additional questions that are, that are very good, is Jeff Dawkins added some of those questions. He also added some activities for the week for individuals and families, just some, some things that you could do throughout this coming week that would nurture your soul, that would strengthen your faith. And, and so I wanna encourage you to, um, to be sure that you're downloading, you can just click on that link and you can print that document or you can use it electronically. It works on your mobile device as well. Uh, but there's just some great resources there for this morning as you're watching the, uh, the message, but also uh, throughout the week as well. So be sure that you pick up this, um, these Leader Helps document that we upload every week as well, because we're just trying to provide ways for you to not just be spectators. It's part of why we're not putting on a normal, traditional looking uh, Sunday service like we would normally do, um, because we, we really wanna use this God orchestrated time to do things a little bit differently and, and allow this time that the Lord has given you to really engage in what is being taught and not just be a spectator. You know, the, the day of spectating Christianity, I think it has long since passed. The, the, the time to sit on the sidelines and watch other people run the play who, and, and yet stand back and go, yeah, I'm on the Christian team as well, um, it's gone. Right? The, the Lord is waking up his bride and he is calling us into the game. And so, but, but at the same time, I know as your pastor and, and um, your other elders and, and uh, the deacons and, and just ministry leaders, we don't want to just leave you out there going, well, good luck trying to figure out how to do that. We want to provide resources. If you need help in any way, please, on, on the bulletin, the information, all of our con, every one of your leaders' email addresses and cell phone numbers is on the back of the bulletin that is uploaded to our website. And so you can contact us, let us know what you need, how we can help you, whether it's for a physical need or a spiritual need, we would love to do that um, as we move forward today. The calling passage for today was Isaiah chapter six. It's a beautiful, powerful passage of, of, the, th of the image of the throne room of God that God, the Lord gives to Isaiah. If, and then there was also Sean Price, um, along with uh, Adam Griffin and Sean's daughter Mackenzie, uh, did a wonderful job of, of leading us in song today. If you didn't get a chance to do those things, to read the calling passage and then to worship in song, I'm going to encourage you right now to pause this video and go find those resources and do that right now. No, really. This is how we prepare our hearts and, and really prepare our souls to receive the word implanted to us as, the, as um, God's word itself tells us to do. So 
be sure you're taking advantage of that time and not just sitting down to watch another thing on YouTube, but to really engage in the worship because that's what we're doing right now is we are, we are, when we open up the word of God, we are worshiping. And today I'm excited because we're starting a, a little series that I felt led to do. And we're going to put James, we're going to go back. We were going to go back into James after the resurrection season, but I've decided to put James on hold. Lord willing, we'll be back there this summer when we all gather back together again. But, but James is very much a doer of the word. It's very practical. It's very hands-on. It's very boots on the ground. It just didn't feel very now. It's really hard to do some of the things that James is calling us to do when we can't necessarily be walking out our faith quite as vividly as he calls us to. And so I, I, I wanted to take some time and just teach through the majesty and the beauty that is Jesus Christ. And as I was just doing my reading plan one of my, for my D group, one of, the, one of the letters I read through was Paul's letter to the church at Colossae, Colossians. And it is all about the supremacy of Christ. And so we're going to start this new series that we're calling I Still Am. And the image that is that is part of the series that you can see on our website and some of the emails that we've sent out of Jesus reaching down into the water to pick up someone who is drowning is obviously inspired by the by the scene in Matthew 14 where um, where Jesus puts his disciples in the boat. He tells them to go to the other side of the lake in the evening, which was not the time that they would do that. He then orchestrates a storm, and not just any storm, a big storm to come and push them far out into the lake where frankly, most of the time, that's where fishermen went to die. In the, in the early evening, when, when they're out there, storms would roll into the Sea of Galilee, and in their little boats, they would get swamped and drown. They're about a mile from shore at this point. They are terrified, and up walks Jesus on the waves. It's not a flat, calm sea. It is a, it is a rolling, stormy sea. He is walking out on the water. They see what they think is a ghost. They are, it says, they are terrified in Matthew 14. And he cries out to them, stop being afraid. And then he says this, ego ami. In the Greek, that, 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 is, that is a way of emphasizing what is often translated, I am. Our translations will say, stop being afraid. I am here. What it really ought to say is, stop being afraid, I am. I just am. And what he meant by that was, I am the great I am. I am the one who's in control of the storm. I am the one who has the power to call you out onto the water. And Peter says, if it's you, Lord, call me out and I want to walk on the water with you. And he says, come. And so Peter gets out of the boat and he starts to walk. And then he says, seeing the waves, so looking out at the world and the storm, seeing the storm, he gets scared and he starts to drown and he cries out, I'm perishing. And that's where the picture from our from our um, from the promotional picture for our for this series came from is Jesus reaches down into the water, grabs his drowning disciple, picks him up, sets him back on the stormy seas, and they walk back to the boat, and the boat does not or the storm does not stop until they get back in the boat. So get this, guys. Jesus called Peter out to walk on the water while the storm was raging. He didn't calm the storm and then say, come walk with me. He said, in the middle of the storm, come walk with me. Well, we're in a storm right now, obviously. And Jesus is calling out to us, come walk with me by remembering that I still am the great I am. And that's what we're going to look at in this series as we go along. Guys, there's a lot. Why did I, why did I pick Colossians? 
there's a lot of teaching going on by good Bible teachers that it's very much about um, how to deal with anxiety, how to deal with worry, how to deal with fear because of what's going on in our world. They've sort of transitioned what they had planned to do. And, and, and that is good teaching. And there's nothing wrong and everything right with, with a pastor trying to teach his flock how not to live in fear. Absolutely. But I absolutely believe also that the best antidote for not living in fear is, is by beholding the power and the glory that is Jesus Christ. Right? When we remember who he is, not just was and will be, but who he is right now, that is how we will not live in fear. It's not by just trying to stop being worried, to try to stop being anxious, to try to stop being fearful. It is by looking deeply into who Jesus Christ is. And Colossians paints that picture. Paul, the Apostle Paul, when he writes Colossians, paints that picture beautifully. And so today's message is entitled, I still am the one who holds it all together. Because don't we sometimes feel like we're drowning, like Peter was, help me, I'm perishing. Don't we sometimes, especially now, we're looking around going, doesn't it feel a little bit like the world is falling apart? Like our like, like the world's economy is is falling apart, like health is falling apart. Like, But guys, we got to remember, it, 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 Jesus is the one that holds it all in his hands. And we're going to see that in a beautiful way in this letter. So today's question is, how does who he is help us trust him? And that may seem like an obvious answer. Okay, wait a minute, Doug. He's Jesus. He's Christ. He's my Savior. He's my Redeemer. He's the great I am. He's all those things. Absolutely. But but really, like like really, no kidding around. Really, how does that in in when when the when when the storm comes, how does that help me trust that he knows what's best for me? Because we all have trust issues. We do. We all do. Trust and faith are very much synonymous terms to me. Um, in fact, when Jesus looks at, at Peter, he pulls him up on the water and he says, Oh, you of little faith, oh, you of small trust, why did you doubt? We're all Peter. We all have trust issues. How do I know? Because none of us are walking on the water. Right? If, if, if we really believe, if, if you have any time in your life where you're struggling with fear, doubt, worry, anxiety, let me add anger, bitterness towards other people or your circumstances, those are all trust issues. And we have trust issues because we forget who our Savior really is. And that is what we're going to see today. So before we open up the word, I'm going to pray that he would show us new and fresh, just the majesty and the beauty of who he is. So join me as we pray. Father, I just thank you, Lord, for who you are. Lord, I thank you that you came here and lived a life um, that, frankly, you didn't deserve, that you emptied yourself of some of the deity that we're going to see today so that you could become flesh, so that you could die for the sins of flesh. That's what makes you a perfect Savior. You were completely God and completely man. So the God was the one worthy to die, and the man was the one able to die for men like me, like those that are hearing this now that have put their faith in you. So we praise you and thank you for that. Lord, I confess, we confess that we are, we are people of, of little faith and of trust issues. And yet we thank you that even in those times we can cry out to you and say, Lord, help me, I am perishing. And you will reach down in the midst of our doubt and you'll pull us up and you'll set us back on those stormy waves and you'll say, walk with me back to the boat, even in the midst of the storm. 
Lord, I want to pray right now for your church everywhere, that you are shaking your bride awake, and that, that is even people who are who are yours and don't even know it yet because you haven't yet called them into your kingdom for glory. So, Lord, I pray that you would wake them up, that you would wake us up. Lord, I pray that you would um, just encourage gospel-proclaiming churches, not just here in the valley, not just in Arizona, not just in our nation, but around the globe. Lord, I pray for those that are sick right now. I pray that you would heal them. Lord, whether that be from the sickness that's going around here and all the different kinds of flu and, and colds and even, even allergies that are going crazy right now, Lord, I want to pray that your anointing hand of healing would be on those people, or whether it be um, even brothers and sisters in our church that I know are, are struggling with, um, with, with physical ailments that have nothing to do with what's going on in the world right now, but are being put on hold in treatment because of what's going on in the world right now. Lord, I pray that they wouldn't need treatment because you would heal them. Lord, I pray now that as we continue to worship you in your word, that you would open our eyes, that we would behold wonderful things from your truth. Lord, I pray that what we lack, you would give us. Lord, I pray that what we don't know, you would show us. I pray that what we can't see, you would reveal to us. And I pray that what we are not yet, you would use this morning to make us. And I pray all of this in the beautiful, majestic, and powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. So today we're looking at how does who he is help us trust him. And I know that was a long introduction um, but hang in there with me. I think we're going to have a good time this morning. The first thing we're going to see is that the way we, the, that who he is helps us trust him by seeing him as the power that is beyond us. And so if you would open up your Bibles to Colossians chapter one, we're going to be spending the next few weeks working our way through Colossians. I may throw a Psalm or two in there over the coming weeks until we um, gather back together whenever the Lord would have that be and get back into the book of James. But we're going to start today in Colossians. Colossians is kind of in the middle of your New Testament. You go past the, um, all the Gospels, past the book of Acts, the big letters of Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians. You're going to get to Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. And so you're going to go to Colossians chapter 1, and I'm going to start in verse 1. It says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and the faithful brethren in Christ who are at Colossae, Grace to you and peace from God our Father, who gives thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Christ, praying always for you. And since we heard of your faith in Jesus Christ and the love which we have for all you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you just as it has come to all the world. Also, it constantly is bearing fruit and increasing, even as, it's still increasing because the gospel is still going forward, even as it has been doing in you also since the day you heard of it and understood the grace and truth. So he's saying the gospel that saved you and turned you into Christians is still going forward. Verse 7, just as you learned it from Epiphas and our beloved fellow bondservant, who is a faithful servant of Christ on our behalf. And he also informed us of your love in the Spirit. Because all of that is just one really long greeting or introduction. Because Paul is just excited to be able to write to this church. It says, verse 9, For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with all knowledge in his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord that, to please him in all respects, 
bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. So where do I get this whole idea of the, the power beyond you? Like so as, as our first point, because that's seeing him as the power beyond you. Well, look back at verse 11. He says, all of this, the gospel moving forward, I, we've heard about what it's doing in your life. May all of that strengthen you with all power. Whose power? Well, it's the gospel's power. Well, whose power is in the gospel? It's Jesus Christ. Right? Guys, can the one who created everything that we're going to see in a few minutes, he created everything, the one who spoke the stars into existence, can he help you with your homework? Right? Can he help you do the math that maybe your teacher can't help you do right now because they can't be with you? Right? Can, is, the, is the one who died and rose again, right? can he help you get through your day today? Guys, is the one who rose again and ascended to heaven and went to prepare a place for you and is somebody going to return, but until he returns, sent his spirit to live inside you, has he somehow forgotten what's best for us today? Right? Has somehow that strengthened in all of his power somehow been diminished because of something like COVID-19? The answer is absolutely not. And we have to remember that. But sometimes when we see something like verse 10 where it says, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, or how, how Paul puts it in Ephesians, when he says that in Ephesians 5, 8, he says, for you were formerly in the darkness, but now you are children of light, so walk as children of light. Like we can read that and we can go, man, we can immediately go, man, I need to stop sinning. Like in order for that power to be mine, I need to stop sinning. I need to start doing better. Or maybe when we read the second part of verse 10 where he says, bearing fruit in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God. Bearing fruit and increasing in knowledge. Man, you know, that sounds a lot like serving the Lord. That sounds a lot like increasing, like, like getting into his word. And those things are important. Using your giftedness to serve in the body of Christ is, is, is not a suggestion. It's not, it's not optional for a Christian. Being in God's word every day and responding to it is not a suggestion. It's not an option for Christians. But at the same time, guys, you got, we got to remember this, that, that the issue for Jesus, when he, when he tells Paul to write things like walk in a manner worthy, bear fruit, grow in knowledge, guys, what always matters to Christ is your motivation. It's not what we do. It's not, okay, am I doing those things? Or if I stop sinning, or if I stop being bad, or if I, it's, it's what is your motivation for doing it? Guys, if there's a, if there's a, a besetting sin, an ongoing sin that you're struggling with, and, and you never do it again, but it's in your strength, that means nothing to Christ, honestly. If that besetting sin is something you have given to him, that you realize it is what put him on the cross, and you're asking him, Lord, you're, you're saying to him, Lord, I am sorry. I repent of that. I, I'm sorry for what that did to you. And oh, by the way, help me to never do it again. That matters to Jesus. That matters to Christ. Do you see, guys, do you see that when in verse 9, when he says that we are to be filled with his knowledge, 
that we are to have all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Because do you see that, that that only happens when we lean into his will for our life? That it is the leaning into his will. It is the pressing into him. It is the stepping into the space that he created by inviting us into this walk with him that allows us to have spiritual wisdom and understanding, that allows us to be able to walk in the knowledge of his will. Guys, here's a hard question for me to answer. And, and that's why I want to invite you into my pain. Right? How much of what I think about, dwell on, long for, pursue, is what I want versus what he wants? Guys, maybe you're maybe you're not as selfish as I am. The I want doesn't sound. Maybe that sounds like you're like, well, I don't, I'm not really selfish. I, I give. I, I'm a very selfless person. I serve other people. I and I, and so many of you do that in our body so so well, as was demonstrated by your little drive by even here on Monday. Um, but so let me ask it a little differently. Are most of my thoughts, my hopes, my dreams, most of most of what I think about, most of what I hope for, most of what I'm dreaming about for the future, even if it's not just mine, but it's for my family, it's for the church. It's if How many of those things are things I care about versus things he cares about? Like, I, that's a hard thing for me to ask because, because frankly, sometimes the answer, um, if I'm honest, the answer is incredibly selfish. So the question is, how does who he is help us trust him? Well, we see him, that he is the power that is beyond us, that, that by tapping into his strength, into his power, is the only way we can really walk in his will. In, his, in the Table Talk question, which is, again, on your connecting points, it's also part of, it's also um, on page two of the Leader Helps, along with some additional questions that you can think about. The Table Talk question says this, the gospel doesn't make you worthy, it makes it possible to it also makes it possible to walk worthy so it's not just that the gospel saves you but it makes it possible for you to even walk in the power of that salvation what does it look like to walk worthy of the lord in the gospel's power and not your own what does it look like to walk worthy of the lord in the gospel's power not your own one of the extra helps that's in in the leader helps guide is, is that, that Jeff Dawkins wrote was, why does the why matter to Christ? Take some time with whoever you're gathered with, pause the tape, and engage in that question for a few minutes. Okay, so we're asking the question, how does who he is help us trust in him? First, we have to see him as the power beyond us. Guys, he wants us to live for something big, and for something bigger than ourselves. And the second point that Paul makes here in this passage is, it is the P is the power before us. He is the power before us. Let's pick it up in verse 13. He says, For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. I, I could. There's so much in these first verses. I would encourage you in the next in this next section, verses 13 through 23. I would encourage you this week to really chew on and meditate on these. Even above the daily readings that you'll be getting throughout the week, I would encourage you to go back to this particular part of this passage and renew your mind daily with these next few verses. Verse for he rescued us. 
That is a past completed action with ongoing results. It has happened from the domain of darkness. That's the enemy territory. He took us out of Satan's camp and he put us into his kingdom. He has transferred us into his kingdom, the kingdom of his beloved son, verse 14, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. Guys, again, those are those are perfect tense, past, it, it is done. We have been redeemed once for all time, cannot be unredeemed, can't lose it once it's ours. Once it has been applied to us, it is ours. What is ours? Forgiveness, freedom. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. That's what we celebrated last weekend. He died for your freedom. He rose again to prove it. He was set free from the grave and so are you. Verse 15, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. The term firstborn there, some cults use that as to say, see, he wasn't part of the Godhead, he was created. That's not what the term firstborn here means in the Greek. The, the term firstborn in the Greek in this culture was a signification of honor. It wasn't a signification of order. It was, to, it was a way of saying he is preeminent of all things. He is in first place. That's ultimately what firstborn means in that culture at that time. Verse 16, for by him all things were created. This, this reckons back to John 1, right? In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and everything that was created was created through him, and nothing came into being without him being there. That's my paraphrase of John 1. He is the firstborn of all that was created, both in the heavens and on earth. Now get this, guys. It wasn't just creation, the physical stuff that we think of. It's all of creation and even the parts of creation that we cannot yet see, the spiritual parts. He says, heavens and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. He's not just talking about world governments and people. He's talking about spiritual empires as well. He's talking about the, the empire of Babylon, the world and the spiritual forces of darkness that we saw in Revelation that, that he is trying to get his bride to wake up and come out of. Revelation 18, 4 and 5, I'm going to keep saying it. Come out of her, my people, that you will not partake of her plagues. It says, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all these things have been created through him and for him. He is the power before you. They were everything that everything that has ever been created was created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. I'm in verse 18. He is the head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. For it is the Father's good pleasure for all fullness to dwell in him, and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Through him, I say, whether things on the earth or things in heaven, and although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death, in order to present you before him holy and blameless beyond reproach, if indeed you continue in faithful in, in faith, firmly established and steadfast, not moved from the hope of the of the gospel that you've heard, which was proclaimed in all creation under heaven, which I, Paul, was made a minister. We're gonna back come back to some of those verses next week when we move on to chapter two, but I want to focus a little bit on verses sixteen and seventeen. When he says, for by him all things were created, both in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, 
all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Guys, here's the point Paul is trying to make. The big picture is it's all about Jesus, right? It, it's always ever been about Jesus. It always ever will be about Jesus, and the it is everything. It is you, it is me, it is your salvation, it is my salvation, it is this room I'm in, it is the world out there, it is the world above us in the heavenlies, it is all about Christ. It is all, because he is before all things, it, he is in all things, it is, it, it is him that holds all things together. How does that matter to us today? How does that help us trust him? Here's how. Guys, we walk into our, you want to know where fear and doubt and anxiety and anger and bitterness come from? It comes from the fact that we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow because we walk into every one of our tomorrows hoping we're going to be okay, hoping that we're still going to have money in a bank account, hoping that our business is going to stay afloat, hoping that we're still going to have a job tomorrow, hoping that we're still going to have our health hoping that our family is still going to be together, hoping that our kids aren't going to rebel against God, hoping, hoping, hoping. But it's a, it's a feeble hope because really what we're hoping in all those things in is in our strength because we walk into our tomorrows not knowing what, what, what's in store and hoping things are going to be okay. Jesus walks out of every one of our tomorrows into our todays already having been there. And he brings to us today exactly what we're going to need to get through our tomorrow. So I'm going to say that again. Jesus walks out of every one of our tomorrows into our todays, having already been there. And he brings us today exactly what we need to get through our tomorrow. That's why he says, don't worry about tomorrow. He's saying, don't worry about tomorrow because I'm already there and I know better than you know what you need tomorrow. Let just, just trust me for today. Trust me that you're still going to have your health or not. And if you don't, I'll be enough. Trust me that you're still going to have a job or not. And if not, I'll be enough. Trust me that your kids are still going to be with me. And if not, I'll be enough. He is enough. He knows exactly what we need to get through our tomorrow because he's already been there. He's already been there. Guys, if you get nothing else out of today, out of how we can trust him better, is understand this. Nothing you see on the news tonight, which, again, turn it off. I, I, We literally have not had the news on in this home in more than two months. Not in any way, shape, or form. right? And guess what? The world is still spinning. The birds are still chirping. We're still moving through life. Turn it off, people. I, I'm begging you, turn it off. Watch what it does for your soul. At the very least, for every one minute you watch Fox News or CNN or whatever thing you're on YouTube watching that's that's a fear factor sort of this is what's coming in the world I want to encourage you to take 10 minutes and renew your mind and and wash that filth off of you with the word of God I get that that's not popular I get that some of you may turn this video off right now frankly I don't know what else to do other than just tell you it just in eternity 
nothing you see on the news is gonna make a difference what's gonna make a difference is the Word of God and the souls of people so get busy engaged in those things turn off the news and love your neighbor that's an aside I shouldn't have gone there I will go back to what I was talking about get this guys get this hear this none of your tomorrows get to you without coming through him none of them none of your tomorrows get to you without coming to through him he knows better than the news company what's gonna happen in our nation tomorrow so just follow him today and let him get you to tomorrow Guys, last week I said this, if he has saved you, he has healed you. If he saved you, he's healed you. If he's healed you, he has also sealed you and he has set you apart. That's called sanctified. But he has sanctified only happens, it means set apart for an intended purpose. It doesn't mean set apart to huddle up and hunker down. It doesn't mean to set, set apart to be protected and shielded. It means that he has set you apart for his intended purpose, to be used as an instrument in the hands of the Redeemer to make the gospel go forward. Yes, all the things that we just read in, the, in this first part of, the, of this letter are true. The gospel is going forward. But he used men to do it. He used women. He still is using men and women to do it. This idea that all we need to do is sit back and pray for revival is not biblical. Yes, we need the, the most important thing we need to do is pray for revival. And then we need to get up and start doing some stuff, guys. Even in this time that, that we are, that, that it's, it's hard to figure out what to be doing. The gospel call to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that he, Jesus, has commanded us, has not stopped because of COVID-19. And we shouldn't either. We need to be about the gospel business. He, you, We are what he is doing in the world today. And get this. Look at, look at what he says in, in verse 18. He is the head of the church. He is the head of us, right? That's why we need not fear. He is the one that holds the keys of death in Hades. And, and they're not going to prevail against us. He is our head. And just like he rose again 2,000 years ago, he, the church will rise again. What, just watch. Watch what happens after this is all over. But the next one's coming. But, but watch what happens when he returns. The church will rise and we'll meet him in the air with the great cloud of witnesses, and we will be with together with him for all eternity. We are what he's doing now in the world. But here's our problem. We try to insert ourselves, or I, let me rephrase that. We try to insert him into our story. I talked a little bit about story at the end of last week's message. We, we try to insert him. We say, okay, here's, here's my story, my life. Now, how can I fit him in where he fits comfortably right it's his story all of the what what colossians is teaching us what paul is telling us what the word is clearly telling us from from the beginning of this word in genesis 1 1 in the beginning god to the end it is done i am the alpha and the omega the omega the beginning and the end and i will give to the one who thirsts from the springs of water without cost revelation 21 right i i, I from the beginning to the end of scripture he, Jesus Christ, is the story. Our lives are meant to fit into his story. We're not, try, we're not called to fit him into ours. 
Our lives are meant to fit into his story. Our lives are meant to be lived to tell people his story, to tell people about him. So how does who he is help us? Trust him. It, to, to know that he is the power beyond us, to know that he's the power before us. But that picture of Christ can sometimes feel abstract. This idea like he spoke creation into existence, he holds it all together. In Revelation, it is this white hair, flaming eyes, tongue like a sword. Like what in the world is all that about? But guys, we see him all the time. We, the table talk question, the second table talk question that is that, that we have says, Psalm 19, in Psalm 19, King David tells us that the heavens declare the glory of God and that the word of God is the soul is, is soul restoring. So that Jesus is revealed in the heavens and in the word. How does the realness of God show up in your life in these ways? And then we added, take a few minutes and share quick, short ways that his word, his creation, his and his grace towards you are seen. So, guys, understand this. I get that that we that that often Jesus can feel surreal because we can't we don't think we can physically touch him. Oh, if we could only be like those disciples, right? But but guys, we can. Look around. Last night I was laying I was laying down next to a little three year old boy and I was looking up at the stars on a blanket. I was looking up at the stars and I'm just like, man. I looked at him. I said, you know, Henry, from down here I feel small. And God looks so big. And that's the way it ought to be. This morning I'm in the Word. I'm just I'm reading. And I'm and I'm reading about the majesty and the glory and the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I'm reading about Isaiah chapter 6. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, and the whole earth is filled with his glory. Guys, we can tangibly feel him by, by seeing him in creation, by seeing him in his word. But we have to have the eyes to want to. We have to have the eyes to do it, and we have to have the heart that wants to. So I just want you to take a minute, pause the video, and I want you to go around with who, even if it's just if there's just two of you, ping back and forth. If it's just if you're all by yourself right now, get out a piece of paper and a pencil and write down what are the words, one, two, three words that come to mind about how God reveals himself in his creation, in his word, and in his grace towards you. Okay, so and I know I'm going long today. I'm just I don't care. Is this I, talking about Jesus just fires me up? Today's message is I still am the one holding it all together. That's the message that we started with at the beginning, since it's been a little while since we've been there. Today's question is how does he help us trust him? How does he help us trust how does who he is help us trust him? How does who he is help us trust him to what? To hold it all together in our own lives. One, we recognize that he's the power bond beyond or behind us he's the two he's the power beyond us the last thing is he has taken up residence within us he tabernacled among us is what john 1 14 says and then when he sent his spirit he said your my spirit who is with you will be in you he will tabernacle inside you he will i will live in you is what he was telling his disciples that's what paul is telling us in colossians he is the power within you let's pick it up in verses 24 through the end of the chapter he says 
Now I rejoice in my suffering for your sake, and in, the, and in my flesh I do my share on behalf of his body, which is the church, in filling up what is lacking in Christ's affliction. Of this church I was made a minister according to the stewardship from God bestowed on me for your benefit that I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God. That's that's why I'm taking so long today, because that's my calling. But frankly, if you're a, if, if you're a, a Bible-believing, spirit filled, sealed Christian, it's your calling to. You are, you are a minister of the gospel. So what is that? It is the mystery that has been hidden from ages past and in the generations, but has now been made manifest to his saints. That's us. So there's a mystery. The, the gospel is a mystery. What's the mystery? It's that God will to make known that are, what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, among the whole world, not just the Jewish people, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. You see what he's saying? Here's the gospel. The gospel is that, that God created us image bearers, but our sin marred the image and separated us. That marred image could not come into the presence of a holy God. And yet God knew that was going to happen before it even happened. And so he planned in his sovereignty to to demonstrate his grace, his, his unmerited love and favor, he planned this story to send a redeemer that would cover the image, the marred image, by his blood, that it would look perfect again, that we could enter into his presence until he comes again to fully restore that image into his presence perfect likeness. We will be like him, is what the Bible says, because when he returns, we will be like him, right? And and so the story God is telling, Paul is telling us here, this is the mystery. Christ, the mystery is Christ is in you. He has fixed the marring. He is restoring in you the glory that was lost at our rebellion. Verse 28, we proclaim him, Jesus, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we will present every man complete in Christ. Paul's desire was that everyone in the world would be a Christian. He was, he was passionate to the point of death, literally. 2 Timothy, the end, of, the end of 2 Timothy, and I'm paraphrasing, he says this, Timothy, they are about to kill me for preaching the gospel. Timothy, preach the gospel until they kill you too. That's the call of Christ on our lives. It is. It doesn't sell today, but it doesn't change. That's the truth. Verse 29. For this purpose also I labor, striving according to his power, which mightily works in me. Here's what I want to focus on in, the, in verses 26 and 27. When we see that Christ, the mystery, and, and the gospel, and then we see this, but here's the part we tend to, we tend to grab a hold of and write down and put on our little... Um, you know, sticky notes and put it on our mirror. And it's, and it's good. And it's right. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Because we tend to focus, I'll just speak for me. I tend to focus on the you. Christ in you, the man, that's uh, what a sweet promise. Christ is in me, 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 me. And that can quickly turn into kind of self-idol worship in a sense. Christ in you, the hope of glory. The only reason that's the hope of glory is, be is not because of you or me. It's because of who Christ is. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Not Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's Christ. It's who Christ. The only reason that matters is because of, is because of who Christ 
is. The fact that Christ is in you is what matters. Right? It's who he is, not who you are, that ultimately matters. And then when you look at how passionately and personally and, and frankly just in your face Paul is in those last two verses, when he uses words like, anybody that thinks that being a Christian is meant to be passive, it's meant to just sit back and pray, has never read Colossians 28 and 29. Verse chapter 1, 28 and 29. Look at what he says. We, not, not just I. This is not just, this is Paul's special calling as an apostle. We, Christians, proclaim, admonish, teach with all wisdom. We want to present every man perfect in Christ, complete in Christ. We want, we want to do everything we can to see people come to Jesus. And then he says, for this purpose, I, I labor. He's like, man, I'm going to give it every, I labor. Absolutely. Striving according to his power and mighty, that might, that works. Paul's saying, I can't do anything in my strength, but I will give everything I have to partner with him for his gospel glory. I'm not just going to sit back and go, man, let me just pray that the Lord will, will do something here. Let me just pray that the Lord will change. Absolutely. Pray that the Lord will change that heart of that wayward son or daughter. Pray that the Lord will help save that family member or that neighbor. Pray that the Lord will give you inroads into your school or your work or your neighbor. Absolutely. And then step out of the boat and walk on the water. There's a church, there's a, a story that's told about a church in um, in the south somewhere. And on their wall of this church building, they had a, a big sign. And it said, We preach Christ crucified. But over the years, there was a vine that was growing, and, and eventually that vine grew up over part of the sign, and, 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 and it just said, we preach Christ. And nobody really noticed that crucified had been covered. And then the next spring, the vine kept growing, and it said, we preach, period, because Christ had been covered. And then the next year, it just said, we and nobody noticed, but but because do you see that that is the that is the slow fade that so many of us as Christians can get into. We start out we Christ crucified the hope Christ in me the hope of glory, because the slow fade to Christ forgetfulness to gospel forgetfulness is that the gospel and our salvation becomes about us. We. Maybe not just me selfishly. Maybe it's me, my little family, and man, this is you know, and we're just gonna we're gonna ride this thing out. Maybe it's we Cornerstone Church, and we're just gonna ride that. Because the gospel and our salvation is not about us; it is about Him. Because here's the thing: who He is helps us trust Him to hold it all together, because He is before us and beyond us and within us. But that's only true if he is first among us. If he is the firstborn in our lives. If he is the preeminent first place in our lives. And here's the thing. He can't be if you are. He can't be first if you are. He can't be sitting on the throne of your heart if you are, so are you. Okay, he can't. Okay, okay, Doug, but but 
But right now, I'm just trying to get through tomorrow. I, I get it. Believe me, I get it. But how can he be the one holding it all together for you if, if he's not first in your life? See, the reason, back, back, back to how, an hour ago, whenever it was now, when I first started preaching this message, the reason we struggle with fear and anxiousness and worry and anger and bitterness is because we put ourselves first. Because everyone, we are the ones who think we have to hold it together. Because we insert too much of ourselves into our salvation. And because we know we fail sometimes, we freak out and think that we have to keep pressing harder and, or, 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 or it's all about us. But if we would just remember who he is and go, okay, Lord, you're the one who's called me out on this on the water. You're the one that's called me to walk with you. I'm going to fix my eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And wherever this leads, it is enough for me. That, that, if we can do that, we know he's first. Because it's not you. It's not even Christ in you, although that is true. It's Christ alone. Only Christ. That's it. Do we really live that way? Christ is the hope of glory. The last table talk question says, okay, so Jesus is the perfect revelation of everything all the time, everywhere. And he has left you here to reveal his glory in real relationship with him and with others. So how are you doing? How can you get better at being a glory revealer? Here's what struck me as I, was, as I was preparing this morning to share this message today. If someone asks you to share your story, hey man, tell me your story. What, what are you about? Or, or they know you're a Christian, and so they say, so, so tell me how you came to Christ or who Christ is to you. Or, or, or even just tell me about Jesus. Does your story start with you? Or does it start with him? The writer of Hebrews, and I close with this, Hebrews chapter 6, verses 19 and 20, he says, This hope, him is ours, him is our high priest, him is our glorious Savior, him is the one who holds everything together by the word of his power, is what the writer of Hebrews has told us up to this point. Hebrews 6, 19 says, This hope we have as an anchor of our soul." A hope both sure and steadfast, and one which enters within the veil, where Jesus has entered as a forerunner for us, having become a high priest forever. Guys, let's give him glory by living lives that demonstrate that we have set our anchor so deep in Christ that we cannot help but be connected to him. Let us set our anchor deep regardless of the storm. That's how we can be sure that we're trusting in Christ. Let me pray. Father, I want to pray right now for those that are not yet anchored, that those who have not set their anchor deep, Lord, I want to pray that today would be the day that they would fix their mooring on the rock that is Jesus Christ. I want to pray that you would open their eyes, that they would behold the beauty and the majesty of the one who calls them out to walk with him. 
that regard that, that you would have used even the fear and the anxiety and the worry of this season that we're in to help wake these people those people up that they would see that you're the one that will that will pull them up out of the waves that will walk with them on top of the waves that will bring them back into the boat and then when you're in the boat say be still and the storm will stop because you're the one in the boat with them and even when the next storm comes, for those of us that are in Christ or that have just come to Christ, and storms will come, may we remember who is in our boat with us. That you have the ability at a moment's notice to say, hush, be still, and the storm will stop. And so since you choose not to still the storm, there is purpose in it. So may we just ride with you in the storm and surf the wave in to the shore when, whenever that comes that you come again. Lord, help us to be glory revealers, not glory stealers. Lord, help us today to be sure to have a steadfast assurance in our souls that you are the one, that you are the one who is before us, who is beyond us, who is within us. And because of that, regardless of what we see or hear or feel, it is well with our souls. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. I love you guys. I miss you much. I can't wait to get